0: The meaning of commitment is particularly well uh, seen in the story of the of the farmer who had a pair of chickens and and a and a, and a pig. And um, in the morning, when he had breakfast, well, the hen was involved as a donation, but the pig was truly committed when he had. <laughs> when he had the bacon, you know. And um, when we talk about commitment, we can either donate or we can make a commitment. Yet we know we need the freedom to take hold of the gifts that we have been given. We need freedom to make the talents that we have received grow into full flowering not to remain stale or unproductive like the story of the talents or or the the servant who kept his money that he'd been given by the king and he kept it in a hole or in a in a you know in a handkerchief and in this story that we had in today's gospel we hear that line after this he said After he said this, he proceeded on his own to Jerusalem. When you hear that, he went to Jerusalem, when Jesus went to Jerusalem, you know immediately that that is from St. Luke, because St. Luke always talks about Jerusalem as a destiny for Jesus. It's kind of an image of finality and purpose, where he will undergo uh, his passion and death and his resurrection. So, always after every little scene, Luke is always saying, and then he kept going to Jerusalem. Okay, we did this, now let's keep going to Jerusalem. So, like every scene is meant to be part of that continuum that leads to, to Jerusalem. And so, we also know that, um, that it is also an image of our own life, right? Uh, that, that our life is going somewhere to the celestial Jerusalem and because, well, we will all die one day, and uh, we have to see if we are faithful servants, if we have used our freedom, or if we have dug it into the ground like that bad servant. It is really, for us, so important to hear the words of the Master, well done, good and faithful servant, you have been faithful in little things, enter into the joy of your Master. Well, in this case, he says, he says, I will entrust you with ten, ten cities, that's the good one who made the one single coin that he was given. He multiplied it into ten, and that made the master happy. The other one had one coin; he only made two or five or something. Okay, he didn't wasn't as happy, but still, he did a good job. But the other one, well, he just dug it into the ground, and he was he was a bad servant, and he was um, you know he was punished for that. He was afraid of the master. He talks about that. He was afraid. He knew that uh, that you might to the master. He says, "I knew that you might reap, or you might, or you would did not sow. So I buried this talent." And he said, and and ultimately he did not exercise his ability to overcome the obstacles in the way. He wanted things to be completely risk-free. In other words, he had a false idea of the master as someone impetuous somebody practically annoyed at his own existence and um, well of course this is not the god of the gospel and uh, we can nevertheless be like that servant sometimes with the one coin and conjure up an idea of god that is like that right the, i mean maybe the other servants also had a bad idea of the master or wrong idea but their deep sense of freedom and their deep sense of responsibility told them they should not listen to these rumors that they heard about the master, that he doesn't, you know, he he doesn't, he he reaps where he doesn't sow and all that. And, uh, well, they heard a lot of gossip about the master, but they said, you know, we have nothing to lose just by trying. Yes, there might be some risks, uh, but the bad servant was somehow obsessed about the gossip that he had heard, and it was like the, the 24-hour news cycle. You know, we hear all these things, we get these things into our head. And that led to a false image of the Master, that he reaps where he does not sow, that he would be harsh. But of course, he was free, and he did not use his freedom well, the bad servant, that is. He did not use it for the good. He just dug the, the... coin into you know put it in the earth to put it in the ground he buried it so in front of this parable and the words of Jesus about freedom and commitment well we know we have total commitment in the work in our vocation and, and but at the same time we also have to live it with total freedom as uh, the father said in his two thousand eighteen letter from January 9th he's, he talked about How freedom has really become, well, quite an essential part of of modern life. He said uh, in this, I quote here from a passage from that longer letter, he said, An ardent desire for freedom, the demand for it on the part of persons and peoples is a positive sign of our times. Acknowledging the freedom of each woman and man means acknowledging that they are persons, masters of their own acts and responsible for them, able to direct their own lives. Although freedom does not always lead everyone to develop into their best selves, we can never exaggerate its importance, since if we were not free, we would not be able to love. If we were not free, it's, it's amazing, we would not be able to truly love we might be very good and efficacious robots, but we would not be able to love. Well, robots, as far as I know, don't love. And, and of course, modern thought has exalted freedom as the foundation you know, of itself and as the ultimate constituent of man. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Right? And uh, it's really what is considered the most important. And we, too, have to value that freedom. But, at the same time, freedom has come to be identified with spontaneity or, um, or certain feelings or just the will to power. I do this just because I want to, uh, out of power. And in a sense, it has become kind of empty in the sense it's, it's, it's an object in and of itself. Freedom, for freedom's sake, it's kind of an empty freedom. It's like a law unto itself, and has become the freedom of the instincts or the tyranny of absolute reason. The father said, "In calling each of us into existence, God has made us able to choose and to love the good and to respond with love to his love." See So I mean the purpose of our freedom is so that we can em- embrace the good, reach the good and love. But of course, we know that we have sinned, so our freedom exists, but it is very fragile, it's delicate, and it can be used for evil too. Of course, uh, freedom, a person can have freedom, but they can use it to harm others. So yes, we have freedom, you know, it was made Give, and it was given to us so that we could really love and really access the good, to do the good, and ultimately to be truly ourselves. But it's, it's kind of delicate, right? So as we do our prayer here this afternoon, we can ask, you know, have I really used my freedom for the good? Have I really used it, you know, like this in my vocation? In, in the way I live my plan of life? and I say today that really not just that I'm free but that I've used my freedom well in the generosity of my work hmm? uh, and like, like, like have, have I procrastinated some things hmm? have I listened gently to others with kindness and love in other words is it a good freedom or is it a bad freedom have I use it for the good or for the bad. And God is, of course, the first to respect and love it. Since, as our father used to say, he does not want slaves. He wants children. You know, the parable talks about good and, and faithful slave, sometimes, or, or, or servant. But, I mean, God doesn't want servants or slaves. He wants He wants children or later on our father says giving love to God and to others is the most proper act of freedom it's the the most proper act giving love not just going out and doing whatever we want giving love serving he says in Friends of God love fulfills freedom it redeems it love enables freedom to discover its origins and goal in, in God's love Freedom finds its true meaning when it is put to the service of the truth which redeems, when it is spent in seeking God's infinite love, which liberates us from all forms of slavery. So, we can ask ourselves that, if the way we use our freedom is really at the service of love, if we have grown... And uh, only we human beings can do this. Like a a horse or a rose or an oak tree, they don't need to be any, they don't need to make any decisions to become what they are. They simply exist. They come into existence, they exist, maybe they grow and they develop, but eventually they just, just disappear. But this is not so with the human person. We have a true name, we have a true vocation. We cannot just be like a log that floats down the river, and bobs down, bobbing back and forth, not really improving as, it, as we go down the river of life. While we do, all that happens to that log is that it just floats down, maybe gets more waterlogged, and then it ends up uh, in the ocean. in the past they used to use the water to transport logs they would put logs in the rivers and that's how they got them but they they were directed by men with reason and they would okay here we're going to dump off a whole bunch of logs in this city and then we continue down the river just and then the men would you know stand on the logs and there were all these contacts turning turning on the logs right and uh, but they were guiding those logs to their purpose for building and all that stuff and so we realize that we are in in the world for a reason God has put us here and with this life of ours we have to make that coin that we've been given multiply we have to multiply it a lot we have not simply been thrown into existence but we can actually make the world a better place with our freedom with our reason with our desire it's not enough for us just to know that we exist or even for that matter to know how things function but to really to dream about who we want to be and who God wants us to be you can picture the crowds that were watching Jesus and listening to him and all kinds of people came of all social levels and intelligences. And our Lord said to them, which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? You know, so so we ha- there we have to use our, readim- our, 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 our reason. We do Which of you, you want to build a tower? Okay, that's good. Now, now, Now sit down and think. Do you have enough mortar? Do you have enough logs? Do you have enough cement? Do you have all that? how tall is it going to be and imagine I mean, the Lord talks about that you know the, the one who tries to build it but then he doesn't have the wherewithal to complete it and all those who see him just deride him they laugh at him and imagine not being able to finish what we've begun years ago you know how many years ago you were either, well baptized of course first baptized and then embraced your vocation you want to finish you want to finish you want to persevere in that loyalty to God fidelity to your vocation a yes to what was begun long ago and there's still years ahead so we can ask well that how is my tower going Uh, you know are the foundations good Uh, you know maybe we need more prudence daily patient work to weather the storms the earthquakes that's why engineers they like to, to go to places where there've been an earthquake because they can see okay okay why did this building stand and this building fall and this one crumbled as our father said in uh, the way quia ic homo cepit edificare et non potuit consumare He started to build and was unable to finish. He's quoting there from the Gospel. A sad commentary, which he said, If you don't want, need never be made about you, for you possess everything necessary to crown the edifice of your sanctification, the grace of God and your own will. In other words, the grace of God and our our will, meaning our freedom. Our freedom. And I don't want to leave my building of sanctity incomplete. Half finished. Just built after a few years. I don't want that sad commentary to be made of me. He began to build but could not finish. I want you to be happy. I want you to say, good and faithful servant, my daughter, my, my son, if we could good you were faithful good now okay now you're in charge of 10 cities wow 10 cities i don't think i can handle this man 10 cities you know i don't know the meaning of that 10 cities but it certainly would require a lot of responsibility on, on from human perspective right 10 cities but really it wouldn't be that hard because he had already multiplied that one little coin into to a lot more each multiplication of a coin represents intelligence, freedom, you know, uh, smarts, and we sh- we too should be enthused about the fact that more floors can be added to our tower through our initiative, to our capacities. Maybe we can learn a new sport. Maybe we can learn to play a new, you know, a new instrument. Pope Francis said this very nicely when he was in Krakow in 2016 for World Youth Day. He said it, it was almost like in a dialogue with the crowd, all these young people who were excited to see him. He said, God expects something from you. Have you understood this? God expects something from you. God wants something from you. God hopes in you. God comes to break down all our fences. He comes to open the doors of our lives, our dreams, our ways of seeing things. God comes to break open everything that keeps you closed in. He's encouraging you to dream. He wants to make you see that With you, the world can be different. For the fact is, unless you offer the best of yourselves, the world will never be different. This is the challenge. Then the famous line that you may have heard, he says, um, The times we live in do not call for young couch potatoes, but for young people with shoes or better, boots laced. This, this image of putting your boots on go for it not couch potatoes I don't know what potatoes and couches have in common like do people leave their potatoes in their couches I don't know but uh, but um, but you know the image of a couch potato somebody who was just stuck and uh, we can ask you know have I really had that sense of responsibility And uh, we know everybody has to discover their mission, and we too also have to discover it, and it really makes life worthwhile. Meaning you also have to discover your talents, your abilities, what you're really good at. A lot of people don't realize what that is, or maybe they think they're good at everything, but they haven't actually identified what they're actually good at, for that matter, what they're not that good at. And when we do that, we begin to consider the dream that God has for us, what that dream looks like, and uh, never let it be something kind of mediocre. Everything that happens to me, everything that I do, must in must be in, in function of my divine vocation. Love is what will make sense of everything... That happens. You may have read that uh, account that Henry Nguyen uh, used to give, in which he made a distinction between being productive and being fruitful. Our society places a lot of importance on productivity on leaving a legacy and cranking out a number of widgets and having a good portfolio and a good CV and you know to be productive to do stuff frees us from the fear of ending up useless or feeling useless and many people really do fear somehow that they're going to be useless that that is they they see only things in terms of their utility they only read that which is with regards to their job or their profession and they they, they just they they really are tremendously afraid of somehow not being useful but fruitfulness which is not the same as you know productivity But fruitfulness is not as visible. It goes quite unnoticed. But it is much richer. And the vocation is a call from God to enter into that fruitfulness. Maybe not productivity. Maybe not uh, being more productive. But yes, being fruitful. In other words, you enter that dynamic which is powered by the love of God where we understand that nobody's here by accident, nobody has just popped into existence. Indeed, the best example of that is Abraham, who's likely the first person in history to know precisely why he exists, because he responds to a call from God, even though he didn't exactly know what it was. And it was a scary call. God said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household. Go to the land, then I will show you. That's it. I mean, you know, like, don't you want me to do something? Something productive? You want me to build something? You want me to... No, just go. And uh, this is why the father said in his same letter, I often remind you that the need, that we need to put Christ at the center of our lives. To discover the deepest meaning of freedom we have to contemplate him we are amazed to see the freedom of God who out of pure love decides to abase himself by taking on flesh like ours he said we see this freedom unfold through throughout his steps on earth towards the sacrifice of the cross you know? So that's like what st. Luke used to say right He was on his way to Jerusalem. Of course, on Jerusalem he would face the cross. I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. The Father says, human history has never witnessed an act as deeply free as our Lord's self-giving on the cross. He gives himself up to death with the full freedom of love. We've heard that phrase before. And, uh, well... You know, the more we act freely like that and give ourselves completely, the more we will end up in that line of fruitfulness. When you think about why good things happen, it's because somewhere along the line we are interconnected by that fruitfulness, by the saints praying for us and the angels watching over us. And, and the, that's all part of that, you know, that network of fruitfulness. So, we must see how well we are indeed using our freedom. If it is for the good, the true, the beautiful, that's the purpose of freedom. That's, w- that's why we have it. And that we can stand in front of our Lord one day and, and He will say to us, Good, good and faithful servant, good and faithful son and daughter. Or is He going to say, hmm, I don't know think you you need a few more years on earth to uh you know to be fruitful you know need a few more years maybe he'll tell us that i don't know you know the near-death experiences maybe that's what happens you know but uh who knows but let us ask the lord for that fruitfulness that is a result of our gift of self and our freedom I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.